0: Broadcasting live to New York, Bloomberg 1130, to Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 991, to Boston, Bloomberg 1200, to San Francisco, Bloomberg 960, to the country, Sirius XM Channel 119, and around the globe, the Bloomberg Radio Plus app and Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Markets.
1: You are listening to Bloomberg Markets on this Monday. Carol Master, my co-host, Corey Johnson, off today. Coming up, we're going to take a look at the small cap and micro cap space, something Corey and I like to talk about an awful lot. So we'll get uh, some thoughts from Jim. Sean, he's back with us right here on Bloomberg Radio. First up, though, back to your top business stories, a look at news after the closing bell and also those closing numbers on Wall Street. Charlie Bellin. All
0: right. I thank you very much, Carol Masser. Let us begin with those closing numbers because there was red on the screen on this Monday. The tech selling continued. Technology stocks falling for a second day after spreading to Asia and Europe on concern. The group had risen too far too quickly. The pound retreated as an embattled Theresa May fought to survive the fall fallout from the British general election. Mark Chandler is head of uh, currency at Brown Brothers Harriman. He was interviewed this morning on Bloomberg
2: Television. The idea that the U.S. stocks are lagging, uh, very narrow, has really changed. And I think that the interesting thing to me as we approach the end of the first half is despite everybody talking about how great the emerging market stocks have performed, and they have about 18 percent this year, the U.S. is holding its own with Europe. Uh, I look at the Dow Jones stock 600, and the U.S. and Europe are up at roughly the same amount this year, say high 8 percent, low 9 percent area. So I'm not sure we see it outperformance on there. Currency makes the difference.
0: General Electric shares advanced today up 3.6%. Jeffrey Immelt stepping down as chairman and CEO bringing to an end a tumultuous 16-year tenure in which he dramatically reshaped the manufacturing powerhouse but failed to win over Wall Street. Gold down 3.70 the ounce, lower by 3 tenths of 1%, crude up 5 tenths of 1% to 4,605 a barrel. The tenure down 3.30 seconds at yield 2.21%. I'm Charlie Pallett. That's a Bloomberg Business
1: all right, Charlie Bella, thank you so much. You're listening to Bloomberg Markets right here on Bloomberg Radio. Jim Danny to the rescue. Jim Danny to the rescue. He's back. Going to rescue if you need some uh, investment ideas in this interesting market environment. Uh, Jim O'Shaughnessy back with us, Chairman, Chief Executive Officer, O'Shaughnessy Asset Management, roughly $5.4 billion in assets under manager based in Stanford, Connecticut, back in our Bloomberg 11.3 studio. Nice to have you back with us. Great to be back. I want to talk, I've been teasing that we're going to talk about micro caps and small caps, which we'll get to in a moment. But what do you make of, we had fund managers, well-known fund managers, big money managers, coming out and saying, Hang on, everybody. Active management is going to be back in style. You're an active manager. I am indeed. <laughs> what do you say of this kind of ongoing debate between active versus passive, especially when you see so much money going into index funds, yeah. just tracking the S&P 500? Well,
2: so I did a full uh, Google talk about what it takes to succeed as an active manager. And it resonated uh, because it's very difficult to be an active manager. If you're a passive manager, right, there's only one point of failure. You freak out when the market goes down and you sell your index fund, right? right? With an active manager, you have two points of failure. The first is the same freak out, right, when the market dives. But secondly, and even more importantly, let's say you're invested with an active manager who over the last three years has provided 10% per annum uh, over the three years, mm-hmm. but his benchmark has done 115 You're very likely to fire that active manager and try to look for greener pastures. Well, study after study has proven that the managers that get fired outperform the managers that replace them. And basically what we have is we have the wrong time frame Mm -hmm. when trying to decide whether somebody is a good active manager or not. Now, I'm very proud to say if you look at our stuff since inception, uh, all but one of our strategies is beating its benchmark since inception. But the fact is there are ups and downs. Right. We have had really bad drawdowns as active managers who are very different than the index. And so we're looking for investors who understand that this is a marathon, this is not a sprint. And, in my opinion... You can't get emotional, right? You really can't. I mean, you Emotions, talk about this a lot. I, you know, I, I talk about it until I'm blue in the face. Well, get...
1: What about the movement that we're seeing in tech stocks right now? And I know that's not your thing where it's... Certainly where the names have gone up dramatically and right. things are getting overvalued. That's not your thing. But, I mean, what do you say to investors? We're seeing, you know, the retra- retracement, if you will, in the tech area.
2: Well, Mostly
1: look, in five names.
2: Yes. And I was just about to say that. And... Look, these companies are great companies. No one will dispute that. But a great company is not always a great stock. Right. What you want to find in a great stock is a lot of value for your money. Really good financial strength, really good earnings quality, and some excellent uh, either shareholder yield on the large cap side or momentum and value on the small and micro cap side. So we are looking for very specific type stocks to fill our portfolios with. And one of the things, if you looked at our portfolios, what you'd see is there's this concept called active share, right? And Mm -hmm. what that means is – if you have an active share of zero, you are the index. right. Whereas if you have an active share of a hundred, you don't share a single name with the index. Right. Any active share above 80, says you've got a really active manager working for you because basically he or she is very, very different than the index. That can be very good, and it can be bad. It can be very good in that if you want to do better than the index, you've got to be different. Right. But you could also hit a really rough patch where you don't do so well.
1: Jim, do you think, though, because being passive for many years, (laughs) I mean, certainly we saw a lot of asset classes go higher and higher, but being passive has paid off.
2: Oh, definitely.
1: Does it start to separate or does it, do we start to see things differentiate themselves because we're getting back to normal and because of Fed policy getting back? Is it, is, is it just as simple as that?
2: Well, you know, I've been in this game a long time and I remember the cover of institutional investors saying the death of value investing and that was right before value investing went on for a seven year tear. I remember the Businessweek article saying the death of equities. Right. Uh, basically saying how baby boomers would never put a dime in the equity market. Generally speaking, when the news is all over something, I get very, very skeptical. Now, I don't know when it's going to end. Does it
1: make you nervous then that so many people are going into index funds, the S&P 500? I mean, look at the money and the flows into Vanguard. It does.
2: And and, and just think logically about it. You know, at at the worst time, the S&P 500 becomes a momentum fund. Right. When was tech the biggest percentage of the S&P 500? Right. In the beginning of 2000. Right. Same is true of energy. Same is true of many of the uh, uh, industries that did very, very well. They got way overrepresented in the S&P 500 right before the downturn, and that adds insult to injury. So I think a lot of passive investors aren't really certain about what they're getting. If you're buying the S&P 500 especially, you are buying something where – the best performers become the biggest percentage of the index. Mm-hmm. And then when they crash and burn, that it makes down. it extra bad for you.
1: We're going to talk then uh, about uh, microcaps and small caps. We're going to come back with Jim O'Shaughnessy, Chairman, Chief Executive Officer of O'Shaughnessy Asset Management. Uh, we'll get to that space in just a moment. Coming up though, let's get a check on your top business stories and we'll also get a, a check on trading. And we're also going to check on your latest world and national news headlines. We've got Nancy Lyons in our Bloomberg 991 newsroom in Washington. Nancy.
3: Hey, Carol. The Russia probe returns to the spotlight tomorrow when Attorney General Jeff Sessions testifies publicly before the Senate Intelligence Committee. White House spokesman Sean Spicer was asked how the president feels about Sessions' testimony.
2: He believes that the sooner we can get this uh, addressed and dealt with, that there's been no collusion, Um, he wants this to uh, get get, uh, investigated as soon as possible and and be done with it so he can continue with the business of the American people.
3: President Trump is facing more legal problems. The attorneys general for the District of Columbia and Maryland say they filed a lawsuit against the president for violating anti-corruption clauses in the Constitution by accepting millions from foreign governments.
0: He doesn't appear to understand or care about these violations of the Constitution, the Constitution that he swore to uphold and protect. He flouts them. He brags about them. And as we now know from his tweets, he has little respect for the rule of law, And he has little respect for the court's ability to enforce the law.
3: Maryland Attorney General Brian Frosch, the lawsuit cites an incident in which just barely a week after the election, the Trump International Hotel in Washington held an event where it pitched the hotel to 100 foreign diplomats. Closing arguments are being heard this afternoon in Bill Cosby's sexual assault tr- trial. Prosecutors say fancy lawyering cannot save Cosby from his own ambitions about fondling a woman after giving her pills. Defense attorneys argue that the sex was consensual. Global News 24 hours a day, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Nancy Lyons.
0: Mobile business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com. The Radio Plus mobile app and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet, Stocks Lore. This update brought to you by USCF Invest in What's real? Visit uscfinvestments.com. That's uscfinvestments.com. Technology shares down for a second day after spreading to Asia and Europe on concern the group had risen too far too quickly. The S and P 500 index lower by two points to 24.29, down one tenth of one percent. The Dow down 36, down two tenths of one percent. Nasdaq down 32, down five tenths of one percent. The ten-year down 4.30 seconds. The yield 2.21 percent. Gold down 3.40 the ounce to 12.68, down three tenths of one percent. Crude oil 45.99 a barrel, up four tenths of one percent. I'm Charlie Pallot. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash.
1: All right, Charlie. Thank you very much. You're listening to Bloomberg Markets, Jim O'Shaughnessy is our guest, Chairman Chief Executive Officer at O'Shaughnessy Asset Management, for $5.4 billion in assets under management, based in Stanford, Connecticut uh, in our Bloomberg 1130 studio. I want to get on to small caps and micro caps because I, I know you've done a bunch of work, but one last thing, that whole flow into all of those S&P Index fund is it becoming a crowded trade? Could it potentially be a dangerous trade for investors that they're that they're going to get caught, you know, unaware?
2: Yes to both answers, or uh, or to both questions rather. I I think that people sometimes seem to think that passive equals no risk. Mm-hmm. Um, it like a long period of time, people felt no load funds were no fee funds, um, and so they they didn't quite understand what they were getting right and i think that the headlong rush into cap weighted indexes where i mentioned earlier right. uh the the most overvalued becomes the largest component of the index and then when those valuations get right sized uh, you suffer right so i i definitely think that people need to be thoughtful about what kind of investment they're making um they need to be long term in nature and whether they're active investors or passive or both, mm-hmm. right? We've found that combining our stuff with, uh, indexes works really great. But
1: it's a combination.
2: Exactly. Exactly. And, and so I think there are a lot of great advisors out there who, who do a good job getting their client to understand. The people I'm more worried about are the people who are just willy-nilly buying the ETF and not getting advice. They don't really understand, but they read about it and everyone says, well, this is the way it's going. Everybody else is doing it. Exactly. And so the bandwagon effect. It's a pure momentum
1: play. Absolutely.
2: Well, I've often said that at at inflection points, the S&P becomes a momentum index. Mm -hmm. And you really want to be very, very careful about that because you could find yourself very badly burned.
1: You mentioned, you know, investing in the index with other strategies micro caps, small caps, how does that fit into somebody's
2: portfolio? Because
1: well, I often think about how long we talked about it as being these, like, undercovered, be very sure. careful, volatile.
2: Sure. Well, actually, undercovered is one of the things I love best about the micro cap space. You know, there are 1,100 companies in the micro cap space, and we define micro cap as 50 million to 200 million at point of purchase. So That's small guys. That's really small. Yeah. And uh, you know, in our uh, portfolio, about 45 percent of these companies have no analyst coverage, none. If you extend it to one, 75 percent have one or none. And so what happens is few institutions, uh, very limited commercial appeal for guys like me to run a fund like this because right. I have to close it soon, even though I love the space so much, I'm running one. Right. Um And, you, you know, what happens then is they get very undervalued and mispriced because you don't have, like, the 18 analysts doing the work to say, well, this is the true price here. Right. And so... One of the things uh, that we believe and what we've seen over the course of this is really this is the highest source of alpha, we believe, in the U.S. stock market. And one of the reasons I wanted to talk about it today – was because individual investors can look at these names. There's all sorts of sites. You know, the American Association of Individual Investors has a mm-hmm. microcap portfolio. I think it's actually based on my work. Um, they, there's uh, some of the guru sites have these portfolios. You know, go to our website at www.osam.com and, and read a commentary called A True Microcap Strategy. And in it, I show you, look, Yeah, there are 1100 companies, but you don't want to own about 800 of them.
1: You weed through them. You filter through them a lot so that you come by, you know, come down to kind of a a core group. What do you look at to get to that
2: core group? And and remind
1: me how, how small you whittle it down to.
2: Sure. So specifically, we'll start with 1100 companies. Right. And then we will eliminate uh, the half that have the highest valuations. We will eliminate the half that have the worst financial strength. That's things like they have way too much debt. Or they're using a lot of external financing, historically, those have been horrible things for a company to do going forward. Uh, they 'll have really horrible free cash flows. Mm-hmm. So I want to emphasize. The majority of these companies are not great companies, but there are so many diamonds in the rough that if you can get rid of those companies, and right. I show you how to do it in this commentary. So it's not like I want you to do it alone. <laughs> you'll, you'll see how we right. do it. Right. And then we believe very strongly in a core portfolio. So a core portfolio is half value. So we get down to the 50% of names that have the lowest or the best value score. They're the cheapest. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the other half is momentum. We buy the companies that already have been excluded because of, you know, uh, or any of the bad ones have been excluded because of bad financial strength, et cetera, and then those with the best momentum. I've got to tell you, you know, we even wrote a paper how this can be a proxy for private equity. And what's beautiful about it is it's liquid every single day now. As I always do, Carol. I was just going to say,
1: cause it's like the emerging market area of the stock market.
2: Yep. To me. It, it, you're, <laughs> you're absolutely right. But the other point I want to make is, you know, there's one ETF you can buy. The iShares Russell Microcap. Right. But it's, it. it's, 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 me, it's median cap weight is more than 450 million. Yeah, that's, so that's, that's double what the top price that we'll pay. Right. We find the greatest value in these sort of fifty to two hundred million dollar names.
1: So once it comes up on your screen, right? I mean, then what do you do? Is it an automatic buy? Do you talk to the company? What do you do then, Jim, after
2: that? <laughs> yeah, we never talk to the company. Um, you know, the old Bernard uh, Baruch uh, saw about he has 10 rules for successful investing, but he can narrow it down to two. Uh, <laughs> number one, sell when the shoe shine boy asks about the stock market, and uh, n- number two, uh, never believe what a uh, company president tells, tells you, you. <laughs> because he's not going to give you the honest dope. Right. They're not
1: going to come in and say, here, let me tell you what's yeah." bad Yeah, oh, let stuff. me tell you
2: how bad this particular company is.
1: So when it shows up, then what?
2: It's, we buy it. You just go. Absolutely. And we have criteria for selling. And, uh, we, how
1: actively do you move within the smaller micro space? So,
2: so we rerun these models on a monthly basis and we create weight of uh, confidence, uh, index. In other words, let's say company XYZ shows up in January and again in February and again in March. Mm-hmm. It will increasingly become a larger portion in the portfolio. Now conversely, if that company begins to not show up, we won't buy it, and then if that company starts to show up as a sell in that particular month, we'll start selling it. So we're very methodical about the way we buy and sell securities, and we think that this gives us the opportunity to be on board for when a company is doing really, really well. Right. And yet, also, we have exactly the same sell mechanism that we do on the buy side. So when it starts saying sell, we're starting to move out of it. All completely non-emotional. All completely done by uh, the various formula that we have perfected uh, for buying and selling these names. And, again, just to the space itself, it's amazing Finally, the value you get from things like value right. is almost double in micro cap land from what you get in large cap land. That's interesting. So if you get excess return of, you know, 5% in yep. large, you get 11% in small or Jim o- micro.
1: Jim O'Shaughnessy, this was a fun space to talk about. Thank you so much. Jim O'Shaughnessy, Chairman, CEO at O'Shaughnessy Asset Manager.